2023 has come to a close, and so now it's time to reflect, to look back, and ask, how are we doing in the state of movies in 2024? What are some trends that we noticed? What are some things we want to see differently? Thank you for being here. Welcome to the show. If you're watching this on YouTube, like the video, share with your friends, subscribe to the channel. And if you're listening to this in the podcast feed, thank you for listening. Be sure to uh, like, share, all that stuff. Joining me today to discuss this state of the union for the movie industry is good friend of the show, lifelong brother. This is my brother, Jacob. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty well. I uh, I gotta say, it's funny talking about this now because when we were talking about doing this episode, oh I don't know what a month or two ago, it seemed really really bad, and now that we're heading towards the holidays and the new year, things don't seem so bad. So, are we gonna get some recency bias in our discussion here? Um, I mean, I agree and disagree. I still think it's a pretty bad year. Well, okay, yeah. I mean, maybe it's just one of those things where <clears throat> the the movies leading up to what's the stretch right now were so boring and uninspired that even just a little bit seems like a lot. Well, yeah. I mean, I guess we can start there. Overall, like, would you say that you enjoyed yourself at the movies this year? I didn't go – this is actually my – probably my least – you know, when I look at my letterbox for the year, this is my least logged films in a long time. I think – I think closing it, I'll close out the year under 200 this year. I will easily be under 200. I might even be under 175 by the time it's all said and done. I'm at, I'm at 145 right now for movies watched this year. Uh, I'm gonna try to pull up some stats real quick. Forgive me. Should have had this ready to go, but uh, let's see. So yeah, 145 this year, and I'm trying to see. 31 of those movies were 2023 releases. That's pretty wow. low. Um. Oh, I'd have to pull it. Hold on, I can pull mine. So I have a list of. All the movies that I have seen that were released in 2023, and this was just kind of like for me to keep track of, um, I have seen 98 movies released in 2023. Wow, that's pretty good. Three times what I've done. Um, and I think, you know, the bulk of them are things that I have rated under four stars, so... When I, I guess, like, when I look back on the year, and, you know, this will probably come out before we do our top lists or whatever of the year, and I I have, I think, three to four movies left that I need to see, but, I mean, even still, even with that, I'm still only looking at five five-star movies. Five five-stars? Wow. I mean, I'm looking back at my letterbox stats here, and it seems like it seems like for the last four years or so, I've been kind of going down. So back in 2019, I saw 71 films that had come out in 2019. 
Then in 2020, it was like 40 something. And 2021, I got up to 58. Last year was in the 40s. And this year, 31, as I said earlier. So definitely watching a lot more movies that come out in the year. And my theater going has dropped drastically. Uh, yeah, I mean, but I don't think that's a, that's not necessarily a commentary on movies per se. It's also, it, it, it is and it isn't. It's also a commentary on just the movie going experience in general. I would say that's where I started to be like right around 2019. I just started having like so many unpleasant experiences like at the movies that it made me not want to go to the movies. Was it all technical related? There's a lot of technical related stuff. I think I've told well not on this show, but on the shows of old that we have done, I've told this the story of driving an hour to watch the Martin Scorsese movie Silence, which is two hours and forty minutes. And them projecting it in the wrong aspect ratio for the whole movie. Yep, that's bad. Uh, that, was that in Waterville? Yes. Yeah, so pretty small theater, right? Not many people are going to go see a movie there. But I'm talking about – I mean I'm going to see movies in Boulder, Colorado, population 300,000 people. I see Poor Things last night. That's got a 4-3 aspect ratio and they can't even mask it properly. So <sighs> – I mean, Fourth, these, these, I, okay. <laughs> I, this is a trend. The, we're talking about the state of the union for movies, and we're talking about trends for this episode. The 4 3 aspect ratio, I feel, has gotten out of control. Yeah, it has. It's, though I, I can't, it's funny, because I, right off the cuff, I can't really think of a lot that I've seen recently that has the 4 3, but when I see it, it sticks out. I am not inherently against it, but there's some movies that I have seen that use 4-3, and I just go, why? Why is this in the 4-3 aspect ratio? It makes no sense for your movie. It's not, there's no, like, story reason, there's no stylistic reason for it, and I just, I don't understand where this, like, weird fucking, like, oh, it's gotta be in 4-3 has come from. Yeah, to be fair, I mean, Yorgos Lanthimos is pretty known for being quite stylistic with his films. I mean, he's he brought back the fisheye lens from The Favorite in Poor Things. He's got the 4-3 aspect ratio for it. I don't remember what the aspect ratio was of The Favorite. It might have been 4-3. I don't recall doing a quick Google search on the fly. Uh, I mean, I I think I'm like generally fine. With like it being stylistic flair, but when it seemingly is just there to be there, is what I'm just like, what for why? Like, what are you doing with this? Yeah, there's some some that definitely are. It's it's weird when it's when you see it. Okay, so the favorite was not four three, um, but anyways, it kind of fit. It kind of fit, but you don't even really notice it. Like I said, because they didn't mask it properly, so. I was we were watching the movie and I just happened to see the black there were very small black bars on the side. And I was like, what the hell? Is this supposed to be four three? And I we got out of the movie and I looked it up and it was. So though you know, those black bars should have been a lot 
bigger. The, that movie should have looked a lot foxier, and it wasn't. I think now that I'm thinking about it, Asteroid City was 4-3. Yep, that's one that I was thinking of. But Wes Anderson's a hack, so um, I don't care about that. And the first, like, the first 45, 50 minutes of Maestro is in 4-3. But that's, like, something that I understand because, like, it, it, there's a reason that it is shot that way. So, like, the first 50 minutes of that movie are black and white shot in 4-3 because they're he's attempting to replicate the style of movies in the 40s and 50s. I'm okay with that. But when it just seems like, like, just because it's quote-unquote different and, like, artsy, the whole trend, which probably started with, like, mid-90s, the Jonah Hill movie, and it's just, like, gone to gross degrees. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that I can definitely remember seeing that. It stuck out quite a bit. And, I mean, I liked it for that movie. But to be fair, I don't. I don't really notice it that much. It's it's something that I, I notice as soon as the film starts – but then as I settle in, I don't tend to think about it, but. Well, I think that's true if the movie is good. But, I mean, I think I think aspect ratio in films is the, the least of Hollywood's problems right now. I mean, possibly. Possibly. Um, we saw. What, what, what for you are some of like the big things this year for movies that you like noticed trends wise let's go with whether it's thematic whether it's release type what what were some trends for this year uh trends a lot of films tend to deal with uh family trauma come you know maybe that's not a new i'm, I'm you know i'm certain that, that that that's not a new trend but i do s- tend to pick up on that a lot a lot of themes of family and dealing with past traumas in families. Um, that seems to be a pretty common horror theme of late. Um, and then just the just the sheer amount of sequels and spinoffs and the need to set everything up as part of a universe. That's what sticks out to me the most. I mean, we can't even get a Barbie movie without talking about some Barbie extended universe or, you know, talking. To, is there going to be an Oppenheimer universe? It's like, give me a break. I mean, that is that is a good tease at our next episode where we actually talk about every single franchise movie that was released in 2023 and what we want from these franchises, if we want anything from them at all. But I think you can even kind of broaden that scope some from just this idea of the franchise movie to this idea that every studio movie needs to cost $200 million and just creating these incredibly unrealistic expectations for movies to succeed. Like speaking of just, just for one of them, like in Indiana Jones five, is not a movie that needs to cost almost $300 million, which it does. Like, that could have easily have been a $60 million Indiana Jones adventure. It just needs to make $150 million to be a very successful movie. 
I mean, I, w- I, w- I want to know what the budget is on a lot of the de-aging effects and a lot of the CG. <laughs> a lot. <laughs> it's got to be a lot. I mean, I was pretty blown away that the first, what, th- is it the 30? No, 30 seems a bit long. 20 minutes? First 20, 25 minutes of uh, Dial of Destiny is set in the past with a de-aged indie. Which, it looks pretty good. But, like, the scene in general is just unnecessary. It's more, uh, it's one of those things where it's not bad, but we haven't gotten to the point yet where it's good enough that you don't notice. That's true. You definitely notice it, but I think, like, it's, we're sort of past the, like, um, like, Leia in star wars like yeah like rogue one where it's like oh god that looks awful well what's crazier to me is how can i go on twitter and see some like youtube tiktoker that creates this insane deep fake that's psyching out news medias but we can't get the same tech in hollywood how how is that working i mean there's like there's an interesting theory i guess where like I was seeing someone talk about this when they were talking about Blue Beetle because, like, the Blue Beetle movie, they they made an actual suit for that movie, and he's actually wearing a suit, whereas a lot of superhero stuff, like, they just CGI it on for them. Mm -hmm. And they were saying that they have a practical suit, but they still put CGI over it, and it's like, well, yeah, because, like, they need to show you why they spent so much money. And so it's almost like even if they could do it perfectly – they still might make it a little flawed just so that you know they spent so much money on it. You can see where all the money went. I guess. I guess that's a good marketing strategy. It's like, oh, I couldn't even notice. Like, How is it so expensive? I didn't even notice it. Like like you said, people do it on Twitter all the time. And it's like, well, yes, but if it looks just slightly off, then you're like, oh, well, it was expensive, but you know, we're almost there. Well, yeah, and it's... And it's also sort of a dangling carrot trick where it's, hey, look at all this cool CGI that we're doing. Don't don't think about uh, <laughs> how these characters are one dimensional. Don't think about how this story is so generic that, you know, uh, an amateur screenwriter could have written this thing, you know, or AI or AI for that matter. Um, and then to get back to your question of things I noticed this year. I think it's starting to get a little less, but multiverse stuff. Man, everybody's got a multiverse. Yeah. Um I mean I mean I'm kind of hoping that that's dying. Like I think people are genuinely uninterested in that idea. I hope so, because I think I think the idea of multiverses in films is Probably one of the worst directions anything can take. I understand from a studio perspective why they love it, but as an audience member, I hate it. Well, it's a way to like basically like you just handed the studio the infinite money card where it's like I can just, oh, you didn't like that. Don't worry. It's in another universe. It didn't affect the actual thing. Let me tell you what actually happened. And then they get well, a new movie. There's that, 
And then there's also, uh, oh, we had to fire that actor. Good thing we can go in a multiverse and we can just recast the actor. And now it's a different universe. And it's a that's why there's a different version of Kang, because we're in a different timeline now. Yeah, I mean, I guess that, I mean, obviously the superhero stuff kind of has to be discussed. But like, even just to broaden this out a little bit more before we dive into like the nitty gritty of, because I, I, I genuinely believe 2023 is the year that we've been talking about it for a while, but that wide audiences f- started feeling superhero fatigue. I think I'm so sick of hearing about what a studio is doing in five years. I don't care. Like the movies you plan to make four years from now. Like I want to know like what are you what's coming out that I'm going to see next weekend. And like there's almost so little promotion on movies that are hitting theaters currently and you're just like, yeah, but our 5-year plan looks incredible. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's one of these it's okay, you know, this movie's going to suck this year. Next year might suck too. But in year three, you guys are in for a treat. <laughs> it's like, what do you have for us this year? Um, well, not much, but don't worry. There's a new Ghostbusters next year that you're going to love. And it's like, I I don't want that. Well, then it's also funny, too, because how many how many of these things that get announced don't even come to fruition? Mahershala Ali's Blade movie, which still hasn't happened yet. Yeah, just all these things that are... You know, they fall apart and uh, so I'm with you. I, I, I don't get the point of of marketing, you know, multiple years into the future. Well, even even a movie like Michael Mann's Ferrari is a movie that like if you've been paying attention, like we've been hearing about for years and it's like, oh, we finally got it. It is finally out for you to watch. See, that's funny because I don't think I remember hearing anything about Michael Mann's Ferrari. So it was made, but I think he had a lot of trouble getting uh, like United States distribution. So I don't – something to do – I don't really know, but I know that he was having a problem with it. And so it was like – it was quite possible that it would be seen – in Italy, it would be seen in Europe, but the United States would just never see this movie. Hmm. But he, he eventually struck a deal to get distribution here. And now we got it. Okay. Well, didn't know that. But yeah, um, as a whole... Okay, so we were talking about... Like you mentioned that a month ago, it seemed like this was an awful year. But... Now that everything has kind of started to come out, all the big studios are releasing their Oscar-y movies, and it just seems like there's really there's really no reason for this system to exist anymore. Well, I was looking back at, I think it was, what, 2019? 2018? I think. I want to pull up my the the year we did our top 10 for that year uh yeah it might have been 2018 so when i we that was the year that we did a top 25 right and what's incredible about that year is i've got movies in that that came out 
at all parts of the year. I got Annihilation in my top 25. I think that it was like a winter release. Um, you've got You Were Never Really Here, you know, in the top 15. That movie came out in April. Um, you got Spider-Man, uh, Into the Spider-Verse. There's a summer blockbuster for you. You know, I got some uh, Hereditary. I think that came out in March. Uh, Roma, you know, there was a Christmas release. Mandy, that came out earlier in the year. Favorite, that came out at the end of the year, right? So... All these things are sprinkled throughout the whole year, and as I keep looking at these lists, it seems like more and more of them are all just crammed to the end of the year. It's like this big push, and then it's like, oh, cool, here's all these great movies that I've been trying to see for this year. I see a lot of people kind of give this year a pass for that because of the strike and everything. And I mean, that probably does play some kind of factor, but this is still a trend for like 30 years now. It's not really, but that, but it's not like, cause when did the strike happen over the summer? Yeah. It lasted, I think for like five months. Yeah. But okay. But it takes, it takes a lot. Lo I mean, it takes years to write a script, get the scripts, you know, shoot worthy. Then you shoot it, you edit it, market it, release it. So all the stuff that we're – right? It's not like they couldn't release movies in theaters this year. It's not like they needed a writer on set to do movies, right? Like these are, should have been movies that have already been done, and now they're rolling out this year. Uh, sure, I guess. But the, the argument being like no one's going to promote them. Yeah, OK. Sure. Some of that. Which is why like – which is why you get all of like the press tour – the press tour stuff for Christopher Nolan looking completely miserable. It's like, it's so clear that he was not the one who was supposed to be promoting that movie. And it was supposed to be Killian Murphy and Emily Blunt and Matt Damon. And all of them were supposed to be promoting this movie. And like, because they couldn't, because they're all in SAG that like, he was like, well, I guess I have to do this now. Yeah. But that movie also didn't need to be marketed. I mean, it made a billion dollars regardless. And it came out in July. It came so out did in Barbie. July. Right. So, I mean, I mean, I guess those had pretty heavy – I mean, those movies sort of marketed them themselves, right? Um, I'm trying to think – I can't really think of something that sort of slipped by because no one could market it. Or, you know, I, I can't think of anything that I've seen on online or something that was like, man, you guys got to check this movie out, but it's through the cracks because of the strike. I, I, I don't have any examples. Um, I mean, it's, it's I suppose it's entirely possible that a movie like that, like you're not going to have. Oh, I mean, I guess Mission Impossible. Mission Impossible is the big one that I could think of. Where you couldn't have Tom Cruise out there talking about it. You couldn't have Christopher McQuarrie out there talking about it. And I feel – I wonder if that really kind of hurt that movie because I don't know as though people really cared that much about a new Mission Impossible movie this year. Dude, that had nothing to do with marketing. That had everything to do with them refusing to move it away from Oppenheimer. Potentially. But I, I mean I also don't think it's a very strong Mission Impossible movie. Which I think also – I think word of mouth now affects movies way more than anything else. Really? I mean I, I was I, – I got the sense that this movie is well-liked. It could be. I I have not looked at scores for the new mission. I personally don't think it's that great. 
I mean, Fallout was so incredible, it was going to be hard to top that for me me personally. But I remember the reviews being quite favorable for uh, Mission Impossible. Interesting. Maybe I'm alone here. I don't know. I I thought it was fine. Uh, now, I mean, one movie that was very clearly affected by the strikes was Dune 2. Which got delayed entirely. Which got completely pushed. So that so, certainly had an effect, but... I have a feeling that they were like, oh, cool, the strike happened. Like, we can push Dune so they have more time. Oh, uh, yeah, that could be. That's, something tells you that, like, that movie was not ready to come out. Yeah, it's crazy how... How many people seem to love that movie? I thought it was very uh, boring, kind of run of the mill. Yeah, kind of boring. Felt like half a story, but I mean, film Twitter loves loves Dune. They love Denis Villeneuve. Yeah, I mean, sure, to a degree. I mean, I'm sure maybe there was some Timothy Chalamet love to go along with it, whatever. But I was, yeah, I was. Kind of a friend's uh, a good friend's boyfriend is obsessed with that movie, and he's you know he can't wait for the second one. And you know I was just thinking, like, huh? I I watched it and and I moved on. Well, that's kind of the thing, right? Which is like people always talk about these big prestigious like filmmakers, like, oh man, I wonder what them doing a Marvel movie would look like. And like the immediate pushback is always, I don't want to see them do that. I want to see them do like what they want to do. And that's how I feel about Dune, which is like, I don't, I saw your first movie. I have a feeling your second movie is going to be more of that. So it's going to be stylistically really incredible, but probably not going to work for me as well. I want to see him get out of franchise movie making and do something else. Yeah. Um, While we were talking about Dune and Mission Impossible sort of in the same breath, it made me think that uh, you know com- another thing is telling stories in multiple parts and advertising that you're telling a story in multiple parts is a trend that we're seeing. Think Rebel Moon that just came out. You got Mission Impossible. You the, got Dune. Rebel Moon has its own problems. Oh sure, but I mean I'm just I'm just adding it to the list of uh, movies that are going to be told in multiple parts across the Spider Verse. I mean, I just think it's. It sucks did, to um, go, It sucks to did, go see. Oh, sorry. What? Did the Spider Verse movie? Did they they dropped part one from their movie? Right. They didn't even yet. I didn't even know it was going to be continued. Right. You're watching, and all of a sudden, it ends, and it says to be continued. I mean, I, I guess you could kind of look at that as just like this is going to be a trilogy of movies. Yeah, but I guess it's more. It was more weird that you're getting like half a story, right? You think about, um, I don't know, think about the Lord of the Rings, right? It's a big trilogy, but each movie feels like a self-contained story. Star Wars is a trilogy. Each movie feels like a self-contained story. You think Two Towers feels self-contained? I think in a way, yeah. I would argue Return of the King entirely does not feel self-contained. Really? Yeah, you couldn't... I mean, if you've seen the movies enough time, yes, you could just watch Return of the King. But I think if you're... Let's say you've seen all three of them once, 
I don't think you could just jump back into Return of the King. Oh, I get no, no, no. I I mean more like it feels like there's a natural progression of like uh, um, a beginning, a middle, and an end, and then that ending feels like a nat. You know, it's not. You saw Across the Spider Verse, right? Yes. Like they literally within the final seconds, they're opening up a new plot thread, and then it ends, and then it's to be continued. Whereas I feel like a lot of the plot stuff is self-contained within those films. And then each one kind of like, you know, moves the pieces a little bit. That's what I, I guess that's what I meant more by like a self-contained thing. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I can see that. I just, I think Spider-Verse is the unique one where like that, I think in general, I would agree with you, but I think the Spider-Verse one like worked for me where I was like, oh, that's kind of a cool twist, like to go into the next movie. Which what sucks is that what Lord of the Rings did right was they had all three of them ready to go. You aren't waiting that long, and so now it's like if you you give me this cool twist, and then it's like oh, but you have to wait four more years for the next movie. It's like well, you kind of have ruined some of that by like four years have passed, and I don't care as much anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to th- uh, Mission Impossible is. I mean, I think it kind of works. If you cut out the opening scene, it doesn't need to be a part one at all. Yeah, right. Yeah. It would literally just be a movie. It's that scene at the beginning with the fucking submarine. That's the only thing that ties it into what is coming next. Yeah, right. Yeah, I guess you're right. If they just leave that sort of little cliffhanger for you to sort of be like, whoa, what's this submarine? What's how's this involved? And then end it. But anyways, telling yes, telling movies across multiple parts and being very self-aware that there's multiple parts to it. It's certainly it's certainly annoying. I certainly am not a fan of it. Because it's not like right, sequels have been a thing. We've heard about planned sequels. It's more weird to like see a movie and then it's like part one. Yeah, it's like, why why am I not getting the whole thing? Yes, Dune, part one. Dead Reckoning, part one. Uh, Rebel Moon, part one, right? I think the Rebel Moon one is the most infuriating and egregious example of this, where it's like, literally the day this movie drops on Netflix, Zack Snyder is like, don't worry, I have a longer cut that's much better. And it's like, go fuck yourself, dude. Like... You got all these people to get hyped for your Snyder Cut of Justice League, and you're literally just trying to do it again. And, like, if your longer cut is four hours, and then you have a part two, and let's assume the longer cut of that is also four hours, jackass, you did not make a movie, you made a TV show. And just <laughs> release it like that. Well, not only that, if he's working with Netflix, why why would he, why would he have to cut it down to a two and a half hour movie or two? There'd hour be movie? no reason for it. Like you could literally just release it however you want. Yeah, right. But at the end of the day, Zack Snyder, you did not make two movies. Like you made a TV show. And honestly, it probably a TV show would have been better. I haven't seen Rebel Moon yet. I'm sure I'll I'll get to it, you know, on a rainy day. It looks day, awful. It's yeah, you know, the Star Wars movie that he couldn't make. The Star Wars movie that he couldn't do, essentially. And by the looks of it, like for good reason. Yeah, I'm. I mean, I'm, I am curious about it, but you know, 
it's not anything I'm rushing to see or going to make time for. But, you know, one of these days I got some time to kill, throw it on at work or something. I don't know. Sure. I guess. Uh Oh, I yeah. I mean, I guess this year we continued... We continued the trend of like live action remakes. Oh, which what did we get? How did we get this year? Uh, the Little Mermaid was this year. Do you remember oh, the Little Mermaid, Little Mermaid coming out? Yes, Little Mermaid. Didn't see it. That's right. And yeah, I mean, it's funny that you say. <laughs> oh, just looking at the numbers, like it's funny. I didn't see it. I didn't see anyone talking about it, and it's still the sixth highest grossing movie this year. No kidding. Huh. Yes. All the hoopla over a black mermaid just for it to be forgotten months later. And nobody cares. Yeah. Funny how that works. What wow. other live action movies did we get this year? Um, I think that is the only one. Okay. Well, you want, to talk, is... about, you want to talk about trends. I mean, that's one that's going to you know keep coming. I think there's a... What, a live-action Snow White in the works, a live-action Frozen in the works, a live-action Moana in the works, a live-action Lilo and Stitch in the works? I have seen posters for the Lilo and Stitch one, and it looks awful. Genuinely, it looks terrible. Oh, I guess... No, no, I guess we got a remake of The Haunted Mansion this year. It wasn't... That wasn't an animated movie. No. Um, I think there was one more remake that i saw was coming is there a live action bambi in the works that sounds terrible if i remember correctly um yeah there's some i mean a ton of disney ones in the works uh yeah i don't i'm not seeing it but probably i mean this is also like this also seemingly is a year of like animation just I mean, I guess specifically Disney animation just flopping. Like you had Super, you had Super Mario Brothers, which like crushed it, but then no one really showed up for Elemental. No one really cares about Wish. Like Elemental was not good. I I didn't see it. Rachel and I watched it. You had the Puss in Boots movie, which I guess was pretty good, but uh, that movie was really good. Yeah, not a not a great year for people caring about animation. And usually, like, you can... Exp- oh, I guess that's not even a fair statement to make. But I guess Disney animation, and specifically, is no one really cared about this year. Yeah. Is this new Migration movie that's out? Is that DreamWorks? Um, that's a good question. Dream Migration? Mm-hmm. Migration is Universal. Oh, it's Universal. Okay. I don't know. I don't know how that's doing right now, but it has made thirty-seven million dollars, and it's been out for a week. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's not bad. Were there any? Were there any superhero movies released this year that you enjoyed? I'm trying to think of the ones that I saw this year. I saw Flash. Um. What else came out this year? I didn't see Blue Beetle. So uh, you have the three the three Marvel movies. You had Ant-Man. I didn't see Ant-Man. I did not see Miss Marvels. 
And you had or Guardians 3. Marvels. I did see Guardians 3. Um, and then you had the F- Flash, Blue Beetle, and Shazam 2. Uh, so I saw two movies. Flash and Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Um, Flash I did not like. And Guardians of the Galaxy 3 I did not care for either. Interesting. Uh, I mean, Guardians performed well i mean it's it made its money i'm just not i'm just not a james gunn fan like i'm sorry i'm just not i don't like his style of humor i don't like his music choices for his film i don't even like the look of him personally sorry james it's not personal i just there's just nothing about his movies that sounds personal that i like oh and aquaman which was just released which i have not seen and won't see no plans to I don't even know. Is anybody going to go see these DC movies? I mean, didn't they sort of just announce that that company is now in financial problems, so they might not even make any more of these movies? Warner Brothers? Yeah. Um, currently, at time of recording, so by the time you are actually listening to this, this could all be completely moot information. Um, Warner Brothers and Paramount are considering merging. Okay, right. So and <clears throat> wasn't there something about did I read something on Twitter that they may be putting a hold on the James Gunn DC extended universe? They should anyways, just because. Like I think you you genuinely, genuinely need to give people five years of none of it. Like the problem with the James Gunn stuff. Okay, a the reason. Aquaman is failing. The reason the Flash failed is because people didn't fucking know if it mattered, and so they're like, "Do I go see this movie?" And like the the entire conversation around these movies was, "Well, do they matter going forward? Is any of this stuff really gonna matter?" Which is a terrible way to view movies or like a piece of art. And, and it's also right. like, it's also like if that's all you care about is just like staying up to date, then like we have seriously reached a problem and you need they need to stop and give people five years to not have to worry about any of this before they come back well that's sort of the problem with the you know trying to do franchises and spinoffs i mean you're like sacrificing quality to keep just stringing people along for as long as you can and right, and you get into this thing where, you know, you, you're going to sacrifice some character stuff. You're going to sacrifice some story stuff to be like, don't worry, that's going to be answered in the next one. But then, oh, so and so got fired because of their political views. So and so got fired because of legal issues. Well, now we can't do that anymore. So now you're just literally going to sit with half a story for eternity. Like, what is the point? Of franchises in general? Yeah. I mean, the point is to make as much fucking money as you can, right? That's the business side of it. Artistically speaking, like uh, consumer speaking, like what is the point? I think there is something to like spending a lot of time with characters. Especially characters that you like. Like you, you watch, you get to see them over a number of years and like that means something 
Sure. I guess I could I can see that argument. Um like by the time you get to Jaws four, you really care about that shark. Yeah. You know? <laughs> You've been with him for four movies. <laughs> I mean like I get I guess I get that to a sense, but I think I think that's almost a trap though. Because I've been thinking a lot about the Marvel movies, a lot lately. And when let's take a character like Iron Man, for example. And you say, I know Iron Man so well because I spent seven movies with him. But do you know Iron Man? Because Robert Downey Jr.'s personality has now bled into Iron Man. And Chris Evans's personality has now bled into Captain America. And Chris Hemsworth's personality has now blended into Thor. Do I know Thor or do I, do I know Chris Hemsworth? Do I know Captain America or do I just know Chris Evans? Like the problem with these franchises is that in order to create this big, insane billion-dollar thing – like you need – like those actors become that. So when I'm watching the movie, I'm not seeing Iron Man. I'm seeing Robert Downey Jr. I'm not seeing Captain America. I'm seeing Chris Evans, right? I would think that like most of America has the opposite problem that you have where like they watch a movie like Oppenheimer and they're like hitting their friend on like, that's Iron Man. That That's Iron Man. I think most I think these these Chris Evans, Chris Hemsworth, Robert Downey Jr. like I think they will have problems with the roles they take after the MCU because that's all people know them as. Yeah, I don't know. I just Yeah, I I don't have that problem. I watched I watched Oppenheimer no problem. I didn't think about Robert Downey Jr. I didn't think about and I didn't think about Iron Man. You know why? Because those are good characters and they're good actors. So they slip into that role and you don't think about that. You know, Michael Caine has a great quote about acting where he says, if you're worried about Michael Caine, then he failed as an actor because it's not Michael Caine. It's whatever that character is, right? You're supposed to give in to this to this disbelief, to, you know, get into this world, be gone for two, three hours and escape into this world. And I don't with these big types of movies because the real world bleeds into them. And that's how I, – I don't know if that's by by choice. I don't know if it's just an accident. Like these things just got so out of control. But right? Like, like you can't see – like you can't see a movie and not think, OK, I just read on Twitter that uh, – you know, so and so just signed a three movie deal. Okay, so I'm watching this movie. Okay, I know nothing's gonna happen to this character because I just know he signed a three year deal. That's part of the promotion. So you lose well, uh, this. Uh, well, some of this is not the movie's fault. Like a lot of like a lot of this is just like we are just so plugged in to everything. And like you weren't ten years ago. So this stuff could work for you. Because you didn't know about all this stuff. Like, I would argue that this is why the screen movies don't work in the modern world. Because it takes a year to make a movie. And if you're trying to comment on current trends and it takes you a year to make your statement on those current trends, we 
as society have already moved past those trends and have identified new ones. And so like, you're already you're already so far behind the ball that like you can never catch up. And so the idea of like this horror franchise, like it, it, having its staple in this fact that like, well, we're the franchise that comments on horror movies. And it's like, but you can't anymore because we're everything is just changing so quickly. And this seemingly is the same exact problem which is that like you can't be invested in any of this stuff because of all of the outside information that you know right and it only applies to franchises because Not necessarily it, sure you look, take a movie like uh take a movie like something that that's something that is just a one-off take poor things right most recent movie that I saw last night. There's no sequels plan. There's no franchise plan. So when you're watching it, right, it's no, oh, I know Emma Stone signed on for another movie. So, you know, I know this plot point's moot or this little twist, you know, it's a fake twist because of, you know, X, Y, Z. But the whole story is self-contained. So you can actually slip in and, and enjoy it to get lost in that world. When you got like a big franchise movie, specifically comic books, there's very, you know, not only am I self-aware, but it's also if you kill off that character, now you don't have any more toys to sell. And I enjoy buying the toys. Yeah, you enjoy buying the toys. If you kill, you know, you get rid of this character, I can't buy the toys. If uh, you get rid of this character, well, that cuts off that show that in seven years that we had planned. I think – that's the problem that inherently is the issue is all of these companies just getting way too ahead of themselves like i gotta keep the door open for this character because you know if uh you know she hits the fan nobody likes us anymore we need to shelve it well they might be a good character to open it back up again in 10 years so let's don't touch that character well it's like the the conversation surrounding the upcoming sequel to the Batman is all around like, well, how are they going to fit this movie? In? Like, does it fit in? Is it part of its own thing? Like how, how does it fit in? How can they potentially do things so that if they ever want to make it fit in, it can. And it's like, this already isn't a movie. Like if these are the questions you're thinking about going in, it's not a movie. This is not a piece of like entertainment. This is, a stepping stone to get you to your next billion dollars. Mm-hmm. Well, then you got to think too. There's not only that. There's not only we can't close the door. We got to keep things open. Da 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 da. There's not only that. There's also the aspect of this movie needs to make a billion dollars. We can only make a billion dollars if a lot of people see the movie. And the only way a lot of people are going to see the movie is if we make it. So easily digestible and spoon feedable that anybody and everybody across all races and sexualities and sexual or you know orientation and whatnot can enjoy this movie. So you just start painting yourself into such a tight corner that you got nowhere to go. And I, I again we've touched on this earlier. No movie should have to make a billion dollars. Like there's <laughs> no movie should cost you $200 million. Like maybe once in a while you spend that kind of money on something. But I, I think that is the other thing with these superhero movies that needs to start happening is they need to start like stop just giving directors blank checks 
and like the literally the entire future of your company is riding on this one project. It's like, no, no, like you need to tell that director, no, you tell him like, James Gunn, you only have $80 million to make this Superman movie. So you better fucking figure out a way to make it work in that budget. Like, like, oh, it needs to be 300 million. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, those balloon, yeah, the ballooning prices. Like, it's definitely going to burst at some point. I think, like, as you look at, like, domestic box office for the year, like, it's just not sustainable. These numbers are not sustainable. And, like, these essentially will create this effect where you can't spend this kind of money on a movie because you literally just don't have it. Well, it's probably just working its way towards one big conglomerate company. Uh, well, no, the FCC would step in before that, but but I mean, if Warner Brothers, I mean, Warner Brothers is a huge company, and they're they're you telling me they're bankrupt, going bankrupt? They got to merge with somebody? Mm, yeah. Well, I think like well, this is the most disgusting part of that conversation is that Warner Brothers and Paramount have to kind of like go line by line of like what they are worth and like the IP that they control to figure out who would have to end up buying who. And then, yeah. And but I mean, don't even get me started on how disgusting it is to, you know, completely cancel movies to get tax credits to save your company. Yeah. I mean, I, no one's like, you're certainly not going to find me defending David Zaslov. I think he's a scumbag, but like, (laughs) This is just this is this is where even if it's awful, even if it's a terrible movie, just let people have it. Let them let them watch it and decide for themselves. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't agree more. I just think I think really where movies are going is a lot of it is it's just something to talk to your coworkers about. It's something to throw on. Uh, and something so that YouTubers can monetize videos, hypothesizing about what's going to happen in the next couple, uh, you know, what's going to happen in the Kang Dynasty. This is something that I've talked to Chef about, and it's just like incredibly depressing about like movies are just not at the center of culture anymore. Like, I don't really know if younger people, like people that are younger than me, care. Do do they, do they care about movies? I don't think so. I think most people care about YouTubers and TikTokers. This is probably true. I mean, you see some TikToks, really, right? In a 45-second video... They've told a somewhat of a short story with a beginning, middle, and an end, and it took 45 seconds. And you're on to the next one. And you're on to the next one. That's depressing. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say. But it's not just movies, right? I think it's a lot of it's music, you know, uh, you know, painting and drawing and that, right? That went to the wayside a long time ago. Um, probably music. There's also the problem is there's just so there's so many options, right? I mean, gone are the days where it's, uh, 
I want to go see a movie. I got to go pick from the six that are at my theater, right? Or watch what's on cable. I mean, you got the world at your fingertips. You could go to, what, a dozen streaming services now and find some movie somewhere? Yeah, but I, I think it, this will, there, I think we're very quickly approaching a breaking point. And this idea of like when you give people too many options, they will choose nothing. And so I think like the streaming bubble will burst because it'll be like, well, there's too many of them. People can't afford all of them. And so something has to give here. And so I think I think in the next couple of years, we'll start seeing them shut down. I've also seen people make these arguments in terms of like the industry where it's like this is kind of where Hollywood was at in the late 60s where they were spending all of this, these monies on big prestige movies, like three-hour movies, and they were just bombing left and right. And this kind of gave way to the birth of the 70s and like the movies that we got in the 70s. So, I mean, I guess we have historical track record like to be hopeful, but I think a lot of terrible, terrible things have to happen to like crash and burn, and then you can kind of just start picking the pieces back up. Yeah, I probably that's I mean, that is what has to happen. I mean, unfortunately, because as we've we have both mentioned, like there was good stuff out this year. It is unfortunately like this the stuff that's going to be that doesn't make money and it's going to be criminally underseen. Yeah, I mean, I think it's going there because I mean, right, even, you know, three years ago, you got all the Marvel you know, all the Marvel fans, all the Marvel heads that were everything that came out Marvel was just gold and you couldn't touch it. If you talk shit about it, you're an idiot. But I mean, even now that's starting to that's starting to subside and there is a lot more criticism. There's a lot more people speaking with their dollar and a lot more of these big movies flopping. I do like I'm glad that the Marvels this is, this is this is the double-edged sword of this, which is like, I'm glad the Marvels flopped because I want to see less of those movies, but I immediately hate the rhetoric that comes when it flops and people being like, you see, that's what happens when you try to make everything woke and progressive. It fails. And it's like, that's not why the movie failed, like, even in the slightest. It, it failed because people are just tired of it has nothing to do – there's probably a very small minutia of people that didn't go see it because they hate Brie Larson, but like not enough to make this drastic of a difference. And this is just like immediately where the conversation goes. No, cer- certainly not enough. <clears throat> no, it is a complete, complete burnout on certain things. But I mean, hey, I mean I hope – I mean, I'm happy for all the people out there that can just go see this shit and not care and move on with their lives. Um, for me personally, growing up, growing up watching the movies that we watched, you know, having such a profound interest in it, you know, writing movies, you know, being it's so submerged in it, and you know, really using films as a way to explore you know life and and whatnot for me personally it's sad to see where we are because i just don't think i just don't think any any film really 
speaks to me. Honestly, you know, every now and then you get a big one that sticks with you, but they get further and further in between. I would say the last two movies, three movies that really made a big impact on my life were La La Land, Parasite, and Everything Everywhere All at Once. But I mean, that's three movies across what six seven, years six, six seven, years seven years there's some other movies in there that i think are great and you know they're, they're just great movies you know great dramas great characters what have you but i mean things that really like impact your life and make you assess things right three movies in seven years that that doesn't seem like much at all no not really That's that's where we are. I mean, sure, you could you could you can make the argument, Jake. You need to go watch more Korean films, Jake. You need to go watch more Japanese films. You know this, that, and the other. There's you know there's all these great films across multiple cultures, and I don't disagree with that. But speaking as someone that lives in the U.S. and primarily sees U.S. and is primarily concerned with the state of film in the United States, I think there are problems. Yeah, well, I mean, what a lot of people ever like like fail to mention is that in pretty much every other country, there's like committees that you can go to to get your movies financed because they care about the arts. That's not a, that's not a thing that exists in the United States. It's a purely for profit system. Correct, and you know, and other countries have programs paid for by tax dollars to get money to make not movies. To, like, not to, just to push back, like like with that, like a like those movies. I, I while I agree that there's probably a wide array of foreign movies that were that are spectacular that I have missed from this year, a like they're not super available, and so it it kind of leads they certainly aren't available for you to see them in a theater, and they certainly it kind of pushes you into somewhat shady means of acquiring these movies to watch, and I don't really know as if I can condone that. And so, like, at the same time, you're kind of, like, forced into this corner of, well, you kind of have to wait until Anatomy of a Fall is on Hulu before you can watch it. And then that kind of puts you a year out of, like, the conversation of when people are talking about it. Mm -hmm. Right. And then at the same time, it's like these these countries have their own problems. For Like, I think I was telling you about this, where, like, Anatomy of a Fall was not their nomination for best foreign language french movie at the oscars because france was like we don't like this director because they are critical of us therefore we are going to silence them like that is kind of what they can do yeah and i'm sure that happens across all countries but i i think like let's stick with streaming for a a minute because i i do think there's this trend here that is harmful and i think entirely misused where i i think because i was talking to chef about this about like driving an hour to see phantom thread because it's by paul thomas anderson my favorite director and like just just feeling like i needed to see it because if i missed it in like that weekend that it was showing that i wasn't really sure when I was going to be able to see that movie. And like that feeling 
is just completely gone because we are in this place where if you miss a movie in theaters, like, don't worry, they have a deal with a distributor where it's going to be streaming in like three weeks. And it has made this, like, it has made going to the movie theaters, like, completely unnecessary because you're going to be able to see the movie in two weeks anyways at home. And I mean, I'm just getting to a point now where, like, I will just wait till it's home. And, like, not to, like, they do it for these huge movies that are going to be successful regardless. And I think this strategy would work completely. I I would be totally okay with it if they did it for movies that are smaller that need the help being seen. Like, for example, like you mentioned Poor Things. Poor Things is just not available in Maine for me to see. Like, I just, there's no theater showing it. I can't see it. So, like, that is a movie that should be day and release. Like, the same day that you can watch it in a theater, you can stream it so that it will at least help that movie get seen by more people. Mm-hmm. And not doing it for The Exorcist Believer, where, like, I wanted to see that movie in theaters, and then literally two weeks later it's on Peacock. And it's like, well, what, what the fuck are we doing here? I don't need to go see this movie in theaters if it's going to be in Peacock two weeks later. Yeah, that, yeah, the the choice of movies to go right to streaming are interesting, as you say. Like, I was mildly curious about the Five Nights at Freddy's movie, and then I was like, oh, wait, it's literally streaming on Peacock right now the exact same day. I guess I'll just watch it here. And, like, I didn't, I could, I just watched it at home. Didn't even have to go to the movie theaters to see it. And it's like, that movie still made a ton of money. Like why, why is why why is this the movie? Like it came out in October, like at a time when people will want to watch this kind of movie, and you're making them, you're making it so easy for them to not spend money at the theaters to gross for this movie for you to make more, to get more of them made. Like it does. Like these this release strategy makes almost no sense. It's um. It's funny because if you go back and listen to older Film and Loathing episodes, I was very gung-ho for movie theaters and would always see a mo- movie in theaters. But now I – if I can watch it at home, I will prefer to do that. Yeah, I mean but like I went and saw The Iron Claw on Christmas Eve because it was like if I have – like I'm available tonight. Autumn is available tonight. If I don't go see this right now, I'm not certain like when I will get the chance to see that. So I'm going to take this opportunity and go do it. We're like the Iron Claw is definitely a movie that would benefit from it having this a same day streaming on like HBO where like you can watch it. It at least gets people eyes on your movie, which is a good thing mm-hmm. instead of it. No, it's just going to play like American Fiction is another one. It's like I have no idea when I will get to see that movie. And it's like, why is this not like why why are smaller movies that need to help not getting the same push for for a streaming service on the day of release in theaters? But Indiana Jones is available three weeks later. It's like if you were gonna watch that, you've already watched it. Yeah, Indiana Jones, I waited for, but that was that just started streaming like two weeks ago, maybe. And it came out in what July, so at least there was a little bit of a delay for that one. The same is true of like, 
like Blu-ray releases and stuff like that. It's like they seeming like they they seem to come so quickly now. Like we were talking we were talking about the bucket list. And the bucket list is a movie that opened on Christmas Day in 2006, opened wide in January of 2007, and was in movie theaters for six months. Like, wow. it's just, <laughs> it just like, it's like, I, there was this big thing when we were kids about there was Bangor Mall Cinemas, which had all the new movies, and then there were Cheap Seats, which were newer movies, but they were like somewhat past their prime, and they were a little bit older, but they were at least still out in the same year. And it's like, that whole scheme is dead even around here i mean you know you got maybe two weeks depending on the movie you got like two or three weeks to go see a movie and then after that it's got very scattered limited show times of movies and it's, it's crazy. like well what's crazy is okay here's this what's weird is that you're rushing out you're rushing you're rushing out these movies to then fill it with what right so at so at my local theater you're rushing out movies to get in what the hell is this this is like a, a three-hour indian film called salar part one ceasefire you ever heard of that yeah it's supposed to be pretty good a, a movie called donkey have you heard of that i don't know what that one is um you're rushing out movies so that you can keep uh, th- three slots open for trolls band together. Um, it's just like what? What are some of these movies? Like, why can't I get some more showings of Godzilla plus one? Like, why? You know, or or some of these other ones that they just rush them out so fast. Yeah, it was like I I wanted to see salt like Saltbird was another one. It was like I wanted to see it in theaters. It was only available at like a 325 showing, which is like the worst possible showing imaginable. And then it literally premiered on Amazon Prime last week and we watched it like. Iron Claw, I do Iron Claw came out a week ago at the theater down in my house, right? Last weekend, there's like seven showings tomorrow at the same theater, three showings of the Iron Claw. Uh, they cut down three showings of the color purple, one showing tomorrow of Godzilla minus one, and it's at nine thirty tomorrow night. Oof, yeah, you won't catch me at a nine thirty showing. But like, let's take up theater space so that we can sneak in one more, uh, one more theater showing of the Hunger Games. Yeah, know, is like, that like, a way to get buzz? Is that a way to get people in? It's like you, you better see it now or it's gone. But at the same time, like you're not doing yourselves any favors because the more hoops you force people to jump through to watch the movie, the less of them are going to do it. It needs yeah, to right. be like, like so easy for them to do it in order for them to actually do it. And it's just crazy because it's like so many – like there's been so many Saturdays, right, where it's like I wake up and it's like, OK, I want to go check out that movie, but, you know, I got, you know, I got X, Y and Z to do. OK, whatever. It's not going to work out today. I'll go next weekend. Next weekend comes around. Oh, OK. I don't have 8 p.m. available for this only showing. Yeah. It's like the worst thing you could have done for Killers of the Flower Moon is tell people it's going to be on Apple TV Plus soon. And it's like, why are you telling people that? Like, it's this is a movie that is so expensive 
that you need people to go see in a theater so that you can at least recoup some of this. And you're just like, well, you know, very limited showings in most places because it's three and a half hours long and they literally can't show it that many times in a day. And it's like, but it'll be on it'll be on Apple TV Plus, so you you'll get the chance to see it. And it's gone. It's gone now. So the only way I'm going to get to see it if if I you know I want to consider it for the end of the year is I got to rent it off iTunes. Otherwise, I don't know when it's coming to streaming. Supposed to be in like January sometime. So it's one of those things like if I want to make a list, I got to rent it. If I can wait a little bit, maybe I will. I don't know. Well, this this kind of goes into like the last kind of thing i had written down here which was just like runtimes which is that like runtimes have gotten out of control and it seems to be like these studios know like it's almost like they know that no one's gonna watch this movie in a theater so who cares if it's almost three hours long because people are just gonna stream it anyways and they can pause it and it's just like it is the biggest deterrent for me to go see something is runtime. Oh yeah, because I got one day a week. You know, Saturday, Rachel works all day. I have the day to myself until five. So that's the day when I go see movies, Saturday's the day I see movies. But it's also my weekend. I got other things to do. Sunday, you know, is Rachel in my time, whatever. I'm not gonna spend three hours to go three and a half hours to go sit in a movie theater. I'm just not. I'm not gonna do it. I'm sorry, Martin. And like, I'm I'm fine with Martin Scorsese making a three and a half hour movie. Like, I I genuinely believe that he earns that runtime in the movie. But like, what? You really you really need to convince me that the Meg two needs to be two hours long, and it's gonna be a hard sell. Like that that movie needs to be two hours long. Well, not only that, just to take it back to the the Marty doing three and a half hours, it's weird that he's this champion for cinema of saving cinema, getting people in the theaters and whatnot, and then you make a three and a half hour movie? Like, is that really going to pull people in? Look, he doesn't want – he doesn't want plebs in there. He wants true believers People that have signed, sealed, delivered, like true converts. That's who he's attracting. I guess. But if you're going to save cinema, you need to get all those other people. But he's like, it's like, if is this what you care about? Okay. Because then this is the movie you're going to go see. You're not going to go see the Marvels. Like you care about actual like adult movies. You'll sit through the three and a half hours. It's just weird to like shit on those movies and be like, guys, that's not cinema. This is real cinema. Come sit for three and a half hours and I'll show you. Yeah, I mean, I I think you could cut some out of that movie. I do think it's edited for a streaming service that you could easily break it up into like chunks. But at the same time, like... I think that's like a special example, whereas pretty much everything else is like, I'm like, oh, let's go see this. And I look at it, I'm like, what? Why is this two hours and 20 minutes long? Like, that's fucking insane. That was Poor Things. Poor Things was 220. It's like, I like it. This is a good movie, but like, you feel it. Like, I don't know. Because, like, right, two hours was the staple of every movie. Like, you know, go back to the 80s, 90s, 70s. Those movies are two hours long, maybe even a little bit shorter. And all those are great stories. 
the pacing is great. The story itself is great, right? Like that it two hours, boom, you're done. You're out. You're on your way. Now this whole this idea that you need three hours, two and a half hours, two forty five, two fifteen to tell your story is insane. Yeah. It's like um you know, like even movies that I like, like movies that I actually like enjoyed from this year. I still am just like, why is this this long? Like, I, it's I, don't, crazy. I don't understand. It's it crazy to watch a movie like Bo is Afraid and be like, you need three hours to spend time with Bo and really get to know him. No, you don't. They're just as good at movies that are two hours, and I know the characters better. Yeah, that's not a movie that I particularly cared for this year. I didn't either. It's my biggest disappointment of the year. Uh, I just like, like, like a movie... Like, you know, uh, it's like Saltburn. Saltburn over two hours. Why? The Flash, like two hours and 40 minutes. Why? Even like a movie that I really liked, uh, it's called Missing. It's a screen life movie. The movie takes place entirely on computers. It's an hour and 55 minutes. Why? Why? Like, like, there are movies that thrive at the 80 to 90 minute mark. And it's just like, because everything is just put on a streaming service and can just be paused and people will walk away from and they'll watch in multiple sittings or they'll start it one day and they'll fall asleep and they'll come back and they'll watch the rest of the next day. They don't even realize it's two and a half hours because they watch it one hour one night and an hour and a half the next day. So it just feels like it's a regular length, but it's like it just seems like movies are not made to be viewed in one sitting anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and not only that, I think it's also just a testament to just bad writing, right? It's like I can't tell this I, – I, I lack the talent to convey to you, the audience, what I need to in two hours. That's why I need two and a half. That's why I need 245. That's why I need three hours because I need to make sure when you walk away from this, you get what I'm trying to say because I lack the skill or ability or talent to give it to you in two hours. I think another big part of it is like we – can't leave anything to the audience to potentially interpret incorrectly. So we're going to take all the time to explain everything to them. So there's nothing that could be like misinterpreted that gets us in trouble. Well, I, yeah, you may be onto something, but I still think you can spell it out for people and they still don't get it. Quite possibly. But I do think that's a, like a big part of it of like, Let's go out of our way to explain this thing so that people don't accuse us of anything. Like the like the big thing that I could like in Maestro, uh, Carrie Mulligan's character is supposed to be like she's like Chilean descent, and I think she's also has like some Spanish there. But then they go out of their way to add a line about how she's like very European to like so that Carrie Mulligan could play the character, and they don't get yelled at for like not casting somebody of like actual like, like Spanish descent. And so it's like, okay, like that's why this line of dialogue is here is because you're trying to explain why this can be portrayed by the white lady, Carrie Mulligan. Like mm-hmm. I just, I think like these are just things that people are just now just inserting into things just to be like, we got to make sure nobody's misinterpreting this. So let's just make it as obvious as possible. Mm-hmm. That's true. Um, I was just thinking about 
you know, some of these superhero movies. And it's crazy of how much of those, how, how much of that two hour, two and a half hours is just plot. It's like, all it's, of just, it? it's just like nothing. Like think about what happens in the flash movie. And it's at a, some point it's like, holy shit. Th- all of this is in one movie. Like all this just plot genius it's insane i mean same with mission impossible like those movies are pretty much all plot yeah lots of plot and then the problem is is that if it's not that exciting if it's not that engaging if it's not that interesting it's really boring john wick like john wick is all plot yep actually i never got around to seeing john wick four this year it's almost three hours long. Yeah, it's pushing three hours. I probably won't get around to it. Two hours and 50 minutes. Like, I will watch it, right? But it's just not going to be really anytime soon. Well, that's everything I had marked down. Is there anything else you need to add? Um, No, I think I pretty much, pretty much said my piece. Um... Are you are you feeling optimistic for 2024? No. <laughs> uh, I don't know if I am either, but I would like to think Night Swim looks pretty cool. Can't wait to watch that. Oh my god, no. James Wan Horror Swimming Pool. I'm in. I just don't think anything has any originality to it anymore. It's a haunted swimming pool. When have you seen that? I've never seen it. But there's probably a reason I've never seen it. (laughs) I mean, from the you got you know from the brilliant mind of John Krasinski, if coming out this year. I mean, A Quiet Place three. Yeah, that's gross. Smile two, the next Scream movie, which may or may not be a reboot, depending on if they fire or rehire that actress they fired. I think that movie's done. Like. I think it's. I think I don't think how I don't see how you can come back from that. You lose your director and your two stars. Like, how are you going to come back from this? Okay, boom. There's one dead. Cool, perfect. What's the next one we can go for? (laughs) I mean, I don't know what the superhero movies are for next year. I don't know if there. There's probably some Star Wars stuff in the pipeline. I'm sure. Um, but I mean, shit. A Halloween TV show universe. I mean what the strangers trilogy part one of the strangers trilogy part of the strangers trilogy it's just god just some of the most uninspired going back to the well just sucking every last bit of juice out of anything and everything welcome to studio movie making like i'm just I don't know. I've just lost interest in it, to be honest with you. Well, that's why the big portion of our show is covering older things. Yeah, I mean, love watching older stuff now at this point. Like like I said, like, like don't get me wrong, like, there's some good stuff, but there was a point, you know, in September. I, I started a list I started a list in January. When the new year starts, I open up a new private letterbox list and I just add to it as the year goes on so I don't forget these movies that I saw. I started building a top 10 from January 1st. Start going through. 
I was up till September. I had seven movies on there. Right? You know, think... you know, if you twist my arm, okay, sure, I'll pop in three or four more to make ten. But it's not like I feel great about it. You know, back in 2018, we did the top 25. I was struggling to narrow down my 25 movies. In 2019, yeah. in 2019, I was excited about my top ten, right? It was fun making that list. And now it's like each year that goes by, it's just like, fuck. I got to make this stupid fucking list, and I hate pretty much everything that's come out. And it's like you always said, right? Unless you didn't see 10 movies, you can't not have a top 10, right? So, it's I, true. you know, I'll play the game. Sure, I'll play the game, you know, to, for the sake of recording some content or whatever. I'd make 10 lists. But do I feel good about it? No, I do not. Like there is nothing really on my list that I would tell somebody, you need to see this movie. Like it is so good. Um, I don't know. I have a few. Do you? Yeah, I think. There's a few movies that like I will definitely champion from this year, but I, I, like a big part of like why and a big part of like what I like hopefully this this whole thing is doing is like we're going to champion the things that need it. Like I want to champion movies that you probably did not watch that like you need that like deserve your attention more than fucking the Marvels. Like uh, like a big one for me this year was Bottoms. Like a movie, I, I love that movie, and it's like I don't see anybody talk about that movie. Yeah, I haven't seen anybody seen Bottoms. Um, I guess like the one movie that I would champion from this year is uh, there's two. There's two movies I would champion for this year, and they are um, uh, the Holdovers. Which yep. really pleasantly surprised me. Really, really liked it. Very good. And uh, Dream Scenario. Which I was like just, Dream Scenario. Which is just a goofy little Nick Cage movie, right? If you're into that sort of thing, you'll probably like it. And that, like Those would be one of the ones if they were like, Jacob, what are some movies that stood out to you? Those would be the ones that stood out to me. Yeah, I mean, there's, all, there's, there's a few smaller movies that I think were really really good that you know 80 for brady you should be watching that <laughs> yeah bottoms hilarious laugh my ass off watching it a couple people have asked me good funny movies i'd say go watch bottoms it's hilarious you'll like it i mean there's that um that movie that the snl guys did please don't destroy i think like it requires a very specific brand of humor but like i thought it was funny but yeah, I we we will see what twenty twenty four brings. Stay uh, stay tuned. We are we are recapping franchises. We are more or less a state of the union part two, where we really dive into the nitty gritty of franchises and what we want from them, if we want anything from them. So you can look forward to that later this week, early next week. However, this stuff falls. Thank you for joining me today. Special thank you to my co-host, my brother. And uh, yeah, thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Leave us a review. Get in touch with us. Let us know your thoughts on the state of movies in 2023. We look forward to hearing from you. Goodbye, everybody. And if there's one last note, if there's anything that I missed from this year, please tell me. You know, I want to see good movies. I really do. I hate this. We both do. I hate this bubble that I'm in. That's just mainstream junk. I'm tired of it. 
Yep, we uh we any recommendations throw them our way. Maybe they'll get a fully covered, a full episode dedicated to them if they strike us in a certain way. But until next time, goodbye everybody. <laughs>